We've been talking about a lot of things and jumping around from one place to another and getting sidetracked on other things, but we're still back on the same subject this morning, this thing about peace. Run into a couple of things I don't understand. Maybe you'll understand it. Maybe you won't. I don't know. I'm going to tell you when I get to it that I don't understand it. But I don't have to understand it to praise God for it. I've learned that. I can tell you about him without understanding him. And maybe the Holy Spirit will show you something that hasn't shown me. And then you can come tell me and we'll both know. I've been titled this morning that you can give your peace. You give your peace. We've talked about having peace. But there's something this morning that Scripture talks about, about giving your peace away. And it's got some things in there that, like I said, I don't quite understand all of it. But I know it happens because God said it did. So let's turn, if you will, please, to Matthew chapter 10. And we'll listen here to what Jesus says about some of these things. About peace. Please remember what we said peace was. The Bible dictionary says that the Bible's idea of peace is that a man, well, I might look at it, would have tranquility. That's the word I was trying to think of. Tranquility. Peace is a spirit of tranquility and freedom that a man might not inwardly or outwardly have any disturbance. That's pretty cool. That doesn't leave anything to imagination. You can say, well, what about this? What about that? You can't say what about by that. Because peace is a spirit where a man can have tranquility, quietness, rest, Inwardly or outwardly, it don't matter. Anything in his life that would cause him to be upset, he can have peace from that upset and disturbance. Now let me throw this in. (laughs) A spirit is plainly a person without a body. Now think about that for a minute. The Holy Spirit doesn't have a body. From my understanding, never has. Now, Jesus got a body, you know, when he came to earth, and he still got it. He's sitting on the throne up there now, interceding for us with a body. You can go shake his hand and put your hand on his shoulder. He never went back to the spiritual state, although he's spiritual, but he's not a spirit. He's still got his body. But these spirits they talk about, whether it be demons, I mean, you've got to look at spirits in the Bible to see whether it's good or bad. That's an interesting thing, concept, I think, because we have to look at each other and tell whether we, each other, are bad or good by what we do. So when it talks about a demon or a demon spirit or a spirit, or an angel, which is a spirit. We have to look and see what they do before we know whether or not they're a good spirit or a bad spirit. 
That's the only way. Because when you come to a place and it says angel, you better read around in the context to see whether it's a good angel or a bad angel. Because the bad angels were kicked out of heaven with Satan. There was one third of all the angels in heaven. That blows my mind. That when, angel, when Satan and God got into a disturbance with each other, there was at least one third of the angels that thought that Satan was going to win. And they got with him. And they got kicked out with Satan. And they're the demons, I believe, that are on the earth now causing us all these problems. But two things. Peace is a spirit and it's also a person without a body. It can be that. If peace is a spirit and a spirit is a, is a person without a body, then peace can be a person without a body too. Look at, please, verse 34. Chapter 10 of Matthew, and verse 34. Jesus is writing this because it's in red in my Bible. Verse 34. Think not, Jesus said, that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Jesus said of himself, I didn't come down here to settle all the disturbances. I didn't come down here to bring peace. I really came to bring a sword. And that word sword is defined controversy and dispute. So he said, I didn't come down here to bring peace on this earth. I came down here to cause controversy and a dispute. And then he goes on to explain. Verse 35, For I am come to set a man at variance or part a man against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. I don't know if you've ever had this experience to come to be known as a Christian and had people who were kin to you put you down because of it. And they can be harsh. And it happens. And we all know families that are split, or split apart for no other reason than some of them believe Jesus Christ. We know that. For I am come to set it at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He that loveth father or mother, verse 37, more than me is not worthy of me. I wouldn't have thought he'd have said that, but that's what he said. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You've got to love Jesus more than you do anybody, any of your kin folks or whatever. And he that taketh not his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. You remember what Jesus said? If a man would come after me, let him deny himself. That's what he's talking about here. Losing his own life. Losing what you want for your life. And taking a life with Jesus. Doing what Jesus wants you to do. And live the way he wants you to live. And you actually lose your ambitions because you're doing what Jesus wants you to do. 
and loses his life for my sake shall actually find it. That's what Jesus said. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. That is a very, very important verse, people. It gives you power. I don't know whether you realize that or not, but Jesus said, him that receiveth you and your word about me receiveth me. If you witness for Jesus Christ and a person accepts Jesus because of your witness, then he accepts God also. Because you, know, you can't have one without the other. But let me say this now. This, we're going to see this three or four times. The great and wonderful God that we all worship thought so much of you and what you had to say about him he trusted you to explain him to other people that you know. And he's taking your word for it. That's trusting somebody mighty lot. Mighty lot. I mean, I, I think about people that I could choose to go and tell somebody that didn't know me about me. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to pick a lot of folks for that job. But God picked a bunch of us. A bunch of us. And some of us, we can't talk. We don't know how to talk right. We got a hillbilly accent like me. But still, he trusts us to tell each other about him. And that's important. That is a very, very important job that he has given each one of us. To believe in Jesus... And what he did for us puts everyone else in dispute with you to a certain extent. There are even people who are disputing with me today that go to church every Sunday. They don't like me at all. You've got to be particular about how you listen. But that's just the way life is. Jesus said it would be. Not only on earth will you have tribulation, you'll have people that don't like you at all. And they ain't got no reason for not liking you. They just don't because of something you said or who you are or maybe just even the way you walk down the street. I don't know. But they're here and every one of us has to deal with some of them. He said they hated me and they're going to hate you. <laughs> I'm just telling you. You let folks know that you follow Jesus Christ and you're trying to do everything he wants you to do, they'll hate you too. But now, let me say this. And you've got to get this idea, because it's true. And I don't know, you may or may not want to melt into the crowd and be one of them or not. I don't know. That's a personal thing. But let me tell you something. Back in the day, when Jesus and the apostles walked this earth and, and, and shared with other people, there were people who wanted them dead because they believed. This thing was a lot more serious back in that day than it is today. You got people today that go to church every Sunday and you say something nasty about Jesus and they just pass it off just like it don't matter. Folks didn't believe like that then, y'all. When they were hooked up with Jesus, they were hooked up tight. And when people hated them and wanted to kill them, that was serious and it was real. And that's the way it was. And that's how important it ought to be today. But it's frankly, it's not. There are people 
that'll brag more about being in one denomination or another than they do about being followers of Jesus. That ain't right. That's not right. But they do it. And they're not serious. It's like the fellow that somebody told me one time, it's like, if you were there when the fish was caught, you know, I mean, you'll stand and testify. I mean, I saw him weigh that fish. It weighed 18 pounds. And other fellas, when you tell them, they say, well, I know that, that lake. I've been fishing that lake for years. There ain't no fish in there that big. And what do you do? You're about, well, you know, that, if you were there and saw it, by golly, you stand there and testify about it. But if you just heard about it, you say, well, that's kind of what they said. And you're not as serious. Well, I'm going to tell you something, folks. People who have been visited by Jesus Christ and heard his testimony and heard the salvation that comes from the gospel, they can stand there with their hand up and argue you down about it. And that's the way we all ought to be. If you turn over to John chapter 14, In verse 27, you don't have to turn there because I'm going to flip right away to somewhere else. John chapter 14 and verse 27. Well, let, let me introduce it with 26. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, and when he comes, he hadn't come at that time because Jesus hadn't died. He said he would die and go and get the Holy Spirit and send him to us. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. That's two jobs of the Holy Spirit. He's got about seven or eight. But two things he does is teach you Scripture, teach you what Jesus said, and brings to your remembrance what you've already learned. If you've read something in the Scripture and it's somewhere back in your computer brain, back in the memory section, but you don't see it every day, and some situation comes up and you need that to, to remember what God said in his book, the Holy Spirit will bring that verse, if it's not but one word of it, back to you and you'll remember what was said. That's his job, to teach you and to make you remember what Jesus said. Peace I leave with you, Jesus said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, giveth I unto you, but my peace I give. world can't give you, Jesus says, the kind of peace I can. You can look for it all you want to. You can think if I just had that new car, I'd be a peaceful man. Won't work. If I just had that new house, won't work. If I just had a bank full of money, man, I, hey, I'd be on top of the world. No, it won't. No, it won't. They said they asked J.C. Penney, who at the time was the richest man in the world. Look, we can ask you and you can tell us honestly because you've been there. How much money does it take to satisfy a man? You know what his answer was? A little bit more. A little bit more. There's not enough that can satisfy anybody. Because everybody that's greedy wants a little bit more, no matter how much they got. And that's the way it works. But Jesus says, I give 
my peace to you. Now look what Jesus just said before in that other verse. I didn't come to bring peace in the world. What does he say here? I come to bring peace to you. I said it to somebody, somebody said, that's really neat, man. I hadn't thought about that. Sometimes when your sailor's in a mess, he's in a storm. Several times there were sailors in this book were in a mess. And they said, they went and woke Jesus up and said, don't you care whether or not we live or die? But let me tell you something. When Jesus woke up, he calmed the storm. He said, hush. Just like he said in my Bible, just like he'd speak to a dog and say, hush, hush your bark. And that storm got real quiet when Jesus said that. The, the, the words that the, the King James put in there was, peace be still. And they said all he said was hush, just hush. And the storm got quiet. Sometimes he takes the storm away in your life, people. And sometimes he don't calm a storm, he just calms you. If you look and read the four Gospels the way Jesus lived and acts, it tells a lot about him in there. You'll see that a lot of times he didn't do a miracle and, and get rid of the problem. But the whole time he had peace. He stood there with problems all around him and was just as peaceful as he could be. And that's the way he wants me and you. He don't want to have to remove the problem. He wants you to have peace in the problem. Because it's been said that Satan will use fear in your mind to mess your mind up where you won't know what to do. But if you've got peace, you'll think about what needs to be done and do the right thing at the situation. So God doesn't always take the problem away. Sometimes he just makes you peaceful so you'll know how to handle it. But the thing is, some of you remember James Bond. You ever, you ever seen all kind of problems he had, everything coming at him from 17 different ways? He stood there like there wasn't no problem at all. Of course, he was a fictional character. Somebody wrote about him and made him out to be that way. But Jesus was like that, and Jesus wasn't fictional. He was real. And he didn't get upset. And he tells us not to be upset over and over and over. Have peace. You pray for peace, I'll give you my peace. My peace is not like what you get in the world. You can't get peace out of the world. I don't care what you get. But you can get my peace because it's different. That's what he said. Now there's one place, and I'll read it to you. You don't have to turn there. Over in 1 Timothy chapter 2 in verse 1 and 2. Paul told Timothy, I exhort, I encourage you, Therefore, first, that first of all, supplications, that's begging, prayers, intercessions, that means speaking for somebody else, and giving of thanks be made for all men. That is God's commandment through Paul for us. You supplicate, you beg God for what you think needs to be, and you intercede for other people. You say, Lord, please straighten him out or teach him this or that or change his situation where it won't be so bad. Give him peace. Don't give him so much pain. We do that all the time. And he says that's what we're supposed to do. But then he says in verse 2, pray for kings. 
and for all that are in authority. We need to be praying for anybody in this earth, especially in the United States, whether it be town law, mayors, governors, state troopers, the, the United States Army or military, or the president, or any of the, the, the people in Washington. We're to pray for them. And it's a neat thing. You say, but wait a minute. That booger is up there, that bunch over there, I ain't got no use for them at all. Why should I pray for them? I'll tell you why. For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may have a quiet and peaceable life. You understand something? He tells you and commands me and you to pray for people in government that's in leadership that's over us, that's got authority over us so that we might have peace. He's not talking about bringing peace to the country. You see that? Everything he says, and I've read already, is about you and me having peace. And he says even pray for our government so that you and I can have peace. That's an interesting thing I discovered years ago. In 1 John, that book, all through that book, John is talking about us and them. And we and they. Now let me tell you something, folks. You may not, but the people who wrote the Bible made a big distinction between us, Christians, and them, the heathen, the unsaved. They made a great distinction. And the writers in the Bible are all time bringing up the fact that they knew who was around them and who was Christians and who weren't. And there's a different prayer for both of them. And you're to pray for everybody who's a believer. Now you'd also pray for those others they might believe, but that's the only prayer you've got for them. Because you can't get them out of trouble because an evil man's going to be in trouble. He's going to bring it on himself because he does bad things. Peace for us. Everything so far. See, Jesus said, I'll give you my peace. I'm not giving you the, the peace that the world gives you. Don't look for that. And here he said, pray that we might have peace. It's about you and me. That's who God wants peace for. For he says, the sinner is always going to be in the middle of turmoil because he brings it on himself. Look at Matthew 10 again and verse 11. We're going to look at another part of that chapter and what he says. Now, I want to try to set the stage for you. Jesus was sending out disciples. He had a good many people, up to 120 at one time, they said, that called themselves the real followers. They, they were the real followers of him. They were serious about it. They weren't playing. And God, our Jesus sent out his disciples to 12 in six different ways, two at a time. And he told them to go and speak to the people who were in places that he was going to soon visit. Kind of introduce me, I'm coming, so, you know, you go ahead of me and let them know who I am. Then, at one point, he sent out 70 of them, two by two. Now, this is the instructions he's given to those 70. 
in verse 9, chapter, Matthew chapter 10, verse 9, provide not neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses. Don't take any money with you. That's what he told us. Don't take any money. Neither script for your journey, paper money, nor yet stage for the workman is worthy of his meat. What you're going to do out there announcing me, I will see to it you get fed. That's what God said. You don't carry anything to, to look after yourself. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy. Now that's an interesting thing. He says, as you're coming to this town or village, you start asking people on the road, on the way, who in this, this place is worthy? And there abide till you go thence, until you leave. Stay with the people that you're told are worthy. Now we'll see a better description of that in a minute. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. Now look, <laughs> I thought peace, and I'm coming to that place where I don't really understand, but I know what it says, and I can believe that without knowing why. But it says, as they went out as missionaries, you come to this place, before you get there, you ask, are there any worthy people in town? Are there godly people there? And you stay with them. But he says, when you come to that place, if they're not anybody, or somebody tells you this man is worthy, and you get there and you find out he's not, But if it be not worthy, your peace will return to you. Now listen, folks. He talks about saluting. And when you come into a house, salute it. Now that means introduce yourself to it. Now that's a little different idea than what we come. When you go to somebody's house, you don't stop before you get in the back door and say, well, house, I pray that you be blessed. I pray that you have peace in this house. We don't do that anymore. But they did. And every single writer... In the Bible, just about. Every single one of them. You look at the first of Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, Thessalonians, all those writers. First thing they did in each letter was to say, you have grace and peace. And then when John came on the scene, he said, and mercy. They blessed each other like that with their greetings. And it was worth something. When a just man, a worthy man, told you he wanted you to have his peace, you had it. And it didn't leave you. We don't do that anymore. But I'm telling you this, you have that power to do that. You can give other people that you feel for, other worthy people, you can give them your peace. Now let me ask you this. Have you got peace this morning? Do you feel peace as a Christian? Do you feel like that God has kept trouble away from you because you've been a Christian? Do you feel like you've got a blessed life? Then you have peace. If you've got it, you can give it to somebody else. And it's real. Now, wait a minute. I just said that peace is a spirit. 
But you can't feel it. You can't see it. You can't touch it. You can't hold it in your hand. And it's a person without a body. But folks, you can give peace away. Like a tangible thing. Like it was a piece of cake or something that you could hold in your hand. You can give it away to people. And you notice Jesus and his followers as they moved about the country. They would say, peace be unto you. They would say, peace be unto your house. If you ever come up to my front door and stop a minute and say, Lord, please bless this house with peace, I'd appreciate it like you wouldn't believe it. Because it's real. And Jesus says it's real. Even though we don't do it anymore, we don't think about it, it's real. And that's the reason I'm telling you about it. Because if you never utter one word about it, you can say under your breath or to yourself, Lord, bring peace to this house. You can even ask God to bring peace to your house. It's real. But now look at what he said. Verse 14. And whatsoever and whosoever shall not receive you They will not receive you as a Christian. They will not listen to your testimony about Jesus Christ. They will not listen to what you're telling them about what you believe. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Stop. Now let me tell you something. If you do that, verily I say unto you, verse 15, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in that day of judgment. Come judgment day, it's going to be more. Sodom and Gomorrah is going to have more toleration with God than that city will have. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Let your peace come upon it. You, You give your peace to that place or that house. Or let your peace return to you. Inquire who in this town is worthy. Or shake the dust off your feet if there's nobody. Now listen. Essentially what you're doing by stopping and shaking the dust off your feet because they wouldn't accept you in that town, you're putting a curse on the place. A real curse, a God curse. And God says, because you, like I said a while ago, your voice is so important to God, when you put a curse on a place, God acknowledges it, and he honors it, and he keeps it that way. Do you realize that you have that kind of power? It's plain here. If you're reading the same thing I am, it's plain you do. Do you realize that you do? Do you know you do? Do you act like you do? That's how important you having Jesus Christ living in you is. It is. 
Now let me tell you this. And I'm going to bring this down to where the rubber meets the road, as McGee used to say. I'm going to make it real for you. And Jimmy's going to stand testimony for what I'm saying. I got a call one afternoon from Jesse Lee, and he said, Mr. Joe, could you come up here and help me? I said, what do you need? He said, in that swag, right before you get to the funeral home, there's a guy up there that's got hair all over his face. I, I mean, he looks like them pictures of God. He's got a long white beard, and he's got long white hair. And he's pushing a cart that's got all his stuff on it. And there's a line of traffic behind him like you wouldn't believe. I parked my car and helped him push it up that hill to right there in that field before you get to the funeral home, right there across from Hawkins Building Supply. And said there's law all around right now. There's a sheriff's deputy and there's all kind of Montevallo police and they're trying to run him out of town. Could you come up here and help? I said, yeah. I got up there and walked in on the scene. I mean, it was obvious when I got out of the truck and started walking up there that a couple of those cops were really laying him low. They were cussing him like you wouldn't believe. And the man was just standing there with his head down. Had his cart in front of him. He dressed in homeless-looking clothes. And like I said, he had all that hair. He said his name. I said, what's going on? And one of the policemen, a sergeant, stepped up and said, well, we're dealing with this fellow right here. Said, Montevallo has got a town ordinance that nobody can come through here like this without us running them out of town. They're not allowed in the city limits. And I looked at him, and he said, well, he shook my hand. He said, my name is Chris. Wasn't it Chris? He said, my name is Chris. And he says, I'm a minister to the homeless. And I travel throughout, and I'm going south to Florida for the winter. He said, I normally go through Atlanta because it's easier for me over there. They understand people like me. But I came this time through Birmingham, and this is a rough route over here. He said, I've been staying down there in a field across from, from, Sem, from a, a Seaman Timber Company. I said, yeah, right up there on the hill. I said, I saw that little tent thing. He said, yeah, that's me. And he said, this deputy right here has been trying to run me out of town ever since I've been here. Okay. Well, I started moving this morning. They were giving me so much trouble. And I stopped in one churchyard, and the preacher come out and told me I was going to get out of town. And I told him I was a preacher myself. He said, well, I'm a preacher. You don't look like nothing like me. So he said, I got this far. And now the Montevallo police are trying to run me out of town. I looked at the sergeant. I said, what can we do? He said, well, the law says that he's got to be on private property. He can't be on public property. I said, well, where can we put him that's not on public property? He said, well, right down there in front of the veterinary clinic, there's a, there's a field there, and said it's got some bushes in the back of it, and said you can just pull his cart back behind those bushes where the public don't notice it, and he can spend a night there. I said, well, if you'll let him do that, me and one of my buddies will make sure he's out of town the next morning. We'll get a trailer and load him up and haul him out of here. Well, when I got down there, we got him down there to that place, and Jesse Lee told me, said, Mr. Joe, you wouldn't believe how them folks were treating him before you walked up. I said, well, they we're not going to treat him that way now. So I called Jimmy, 
We got his trailer hooked up the next morning to his truck. We went up there and loaded that guy up and carried him down on Highway 31 because the police told us don't carry him to clear. He wanted to go to clear. Don't carry him to clear. They're worse up there than we are here. So we carried him down. You know where the Lighthouse Church is down there on 31? Between, uh, what, Jemison and Thorsby? And we put him in the parking lot. And I said, but this is going to be fine for you? He said, yeah, this will help me on my way. And that man sat in the back of the seat of Jimmy's truck and quoted scripture like nobody ever seen. Benny Hubbard down in Bibb County is the only man I ever seen quote scripture like this man could. He knew that Bible backwards and forwards and upside down. Now let me tell you something, people. You wonder why things are happening? That man knew the Bible so well, he knew exactly what I just read to you. And I have no doubt in my mind that when they treated him that way in a town, he shook the dust off of him. And you know what it says in my Bible? That it's going to be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than it is for that town. Now you want to know why the churches in some of these towns are dry, drawing up? Yeah. Amen. I'll tell you why. Because there are people like Chris who is a true minister who don't look like a local pastor, who don't dress in $1,000 suit. Shakes the dust off of that town because he tried to do something about it and they wouldn't listen to him. It says in another place in the thing in Luke, you make sure you tell them that the kingdom of God has come near you but you ran it off. Is it no wonder that some of them churches that I was into when I was a kid that had 300, 350 people have got less than 50 now? Some of those churches that run 70 or 80 or 100 have got seven, eight people in them? God turned his back on them. Their church, they got crosses around. But you can go around there and a lot of times you don't see much of Jesus. You don't hear much of Jesus either. They talk about all kind of other stuff. Is that real? I don't know. You decide. You've got the same Holy Spirit I got. But I can see the connection between what God is saying about things and the way they're happening. It's no surprise. And people are wondering what's going on. Well, we need a playground. We, we, we need a children's ministry. We need this. We need that. No, you need Jesus. That's what you need. It's Jesus. And that's enough. My Bible says we're complete in him. Over in Luke that I was talking about in chapter 10. In verse 2, Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors unto his harvest. He'd send people out to speak for me. And he goes on to tell what he did in the other one. Don't carry any purse. I'm sending you out among wolves, he said. And whatever house ye enter into, first say, Peace be unto this house. And if the Son of Peace, you know who that is? That's Jesus. 
If the Son of Peace be there, there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. Now there's the explanation. What is it you're asking about when you go into a strange place? Is there anybody worthy? You know what they're saying? Is there anybody in this town a Christian? Does anybody in this town love Jesus? If it is, you go and live with them. And don't live anywhere else, he told. And in the same house, verse 7, remain eating and drinking such things as they give, for the labor is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. Don't travel around. And into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you, eat such things as they set before you. And heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. You guys have got a little bit of Jesus come into this town when I came in, when I came in preaching. But into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you not to your ways out into the street. Go your way of the same, and say, Even the very dust of your city, which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you, notwithstanding. Be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. It's come close. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for this city. The city is under a curse. It's under a curse from God. And churches can't thrive in a place that won't let a minister of Jesus Christ stay. They'll run him out of town or put him in jail before they let him walk the streets of their town and preach Jesus. Let me just read this to you. You don't have to turn there. It's in, it's in uh, uh, Hebrews. I'm going to just throw this in there. Chapter 13. Some of you maybe never read this verse. Chapter 13 of Hebrews, verse 1 and 2. Let brotherly love continue, the author of Hebrews said. I think it was Apollos. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. You want to be rough on people you don't know that's coming through, strangers? Broke down on the side of the road. Folks come in this church right here and say, I need a tire, I need gas. Could somebody help me? Do you know that sometimes when you help somebody you've never seen before in your life, you're talking to an angel? Do you know that? My Bible says you are. So apparently God sends angels down here to test us to see, just do you have the heart of Jesus? Because that's what I see. I was telling somebody, I was talking to a guy about his church. And he said, the preacher's loud. But I can put up with a loud preacher. I said, man, it ain't got nothing to do with loud preaching. It's got something to do with the preacher telling you how to live. I don't care whether he's loud or soft. It's what he's telling you about how to live as a, as a believer and a child of God. And we have. I have wondered myself. I've even wondered about Chris. I, Jimmy and I have talked about it. Reckon that guy was an angel? I don't know. He sure looked different. But from what I can understand about my word, an angel can look like anything he wants to. 
When he decides to put on a body, he can make it look like anything. But this guy right here was a different guy. I mean, you wouldn't forget him. You're not going to forget this man. But I want to read you this. And here we're getting back to the power that you have, you and I have, because Jesus says so. He says we have it. In verse 16 of chapter 10, Jesus says, He that heareth you heareth me. When you tell people about Jesus, however you tell them about Jesus, they're hearing Jesus Christ. In you, they're hearing Jesus. And he that despiseth you, Jesus says, despises me. And he that despiseth me, despises him that sent me. Let me tell you something. Believers, when people put you down because of what you say about Jesus, they put Jesus down and they put God down. All three of them come in the same package. They put the Holy Spirit down. Did you know God treated you that way? Can you remember speaking to somebody about Jesus and had them turn you down? Flat-footed, turn you down, didn't care? Can you remember that? That's where they are today. Don't you think for one moment they're not? This is some serious stuff, y'all. And it involves you. You. With authority. Represent God here on this earth. Your voice with authority represents God. And he treats you that way. He gives you that power to do that. So you got to be very careful how you talk to these people. You're speaking for God. You say, well, that scares me to death. Well, just a couple of pages over in Luke chapter 12 and verse 12. And when they bring you under the synagogues and under magistrates and powers, take ye no thought of what thing ye shall answer or what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. Now let me tell you something, folks. Jesse Lee didn't know no better. He called me and said, come up here and help me. All Jesse Lee knew was this man said he was a preacher, so I ought to help him. Have you got that commitment? Have you made a commitment to God that whatever I find out is in your book, I'm going to do it? Whatever Jesus said, I'm going to do it? That's what Jesus wants. Because the very thing he can't have have happen is to put the Holy Spirit, all that power in you and then not be able to control you. That's what it's all about. And that's who you are. And that's who I am. And I hope if you didn't know before, you know from what's just been said from the book, from the pages of this book, word for word, that you need to be particular about who you are and what you got because the greatest being that created the world that there's never been anything like him 
Jesus wasn't even like God. The greatest being that ever was trusts you to speak for him. That's big. Don't mumble around. Don't mully grub. Don't look at the ground and kick the dirt. Stand there and look the man in the eye or the woman in the eye and tell them about Jesus. Or the young'un, you kids. How many kids have said something and moved another kid? I said something when I was when I was walking the aisle at 10 years old. And two people that I said something to, two of the same age as me, were baptized the same night, two weeks later. So what I'm saying, this is who you are. Don't play with it. Please don't play with it. Don't compromise it. Don't just go to church and say, I've been to church. Like I told that guy, man, I wouldn't go to a church that I didn't think God was speaking to the pastor. I don't care about hearing what's in some guy's head. That's not important to me. I want to know what God says. Please understand this. Because God's not playing here. He's not playing with you. He's not playing with me. And I believe that's the reason that we can sit up here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and stand before God and praise Him and worship Him and sing hymns to Him and use our prayer and have answers to our prayers is because somebody in here is more serious than somebody else. And that's a good thing. And I praise God for a church like this. It don't matter how many people there are. If the ones there that are committed to who they are. Let's pray. Father, bless us. Teach us. Give us boldness. Give us ability to speak out. And if we're stuttering, Lord, like Moses was, he said, I can't do this, Lord. I stutter. He said, well, I'll let your brother Aaron speak for you. Lord, make us understand. You don't have to worry about what you're going to say. You say, I'll see that the Holy Spirit gives you the words you need to say. So you don't even have to think about that. So Lord, put us to use wherever we happen to be. If it's in grade school or elementary school or high school or on the job or wherever. Let us speak for you and do it in a way that others believe us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.